This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have with me Michael Daly, who is the COO, and David Donaldson, the CEO of the Atlanta Healing Center. And we're going to have an update on alcohol. As um, I was looking and thinking about this week, Go Falcons, um, and the upcoming Super Bowl, I wanted to... um, Take another look at alcohol, because in thinking about planning a Super Bowl party, I was aware of the huge amount of food and the huge amount of alcohol that is consumed over this particular holiday. And then also, this brought to mind some other information that we've seen in journals recently regarding information about alcohol in general, particularly with its... um, growing consumption among young women and the problems that we continue to still have with alcohol being marketed specifically to children. So thank you very much for being here today and for joining in this discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So Super Bowl, let's go ahead and talk about that and talk about um, how you might know when holiday drinking becomes a a problem. It's interesting to know that there's probably um, estimated 120 pounds of avocados uh, consumed. Uh, 1.25 billion chicken wings consumed on a Super Bowl, but Americans drink on average, and by Americans we mean North Americans too, our Canadian um, brothers and sisters up north are um, active followers of American football, even though they do have Canadian Football League, which I also enjoy, go Grey Cup. Um, but we, um, between all of us, here in North America, we consume around 325 million gallons of beer on Super Bowl Sunday alone. That's just an incredible number. It is an incredible number. And I've heard some crazy stories about how during commercials, all the toilets that are flushing create a lowering of the water table temporarily, that there are certainly, we know, a a huge increase in um, DUI arrests on Super Bowl Sunday, and there are an increased number of heart attacks the following Monday morning. So when someone has consumed a lot of alcohol and This is particularly in uh, men that we see this vulnerability, although it can happen to women too. The heart goes into an irregular rhythm um, called atrial fibrillation. And when this happens, there is um, a, a great increase in heart attacks and sometimes strokes associated with AFib. And this happens when people have consumed a lot of alcohol, particularly if they have to get up the next morning and then shovel snow. And we know that in some of the northern climes, this is going to be one of the things that is going to happen. So we see this um, aftermath of consumption of alcohol that's happening to people all over, um, 
related to this one semi-official holiday. Yeah, I was I was reading that there was actually a, a noticeable link between heart attacks and the Super Bowl um, beginning back in 1980, whereas with the Super Bowl of that year, um, the, the heart attack rates went up by like 20%, and they stayed up for a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. I guess the body just... Living through all of the alcohol and chicken wings and chips and everything <laughs> that they, that gets consumed on that day, not to mention the stress of, of making sure your team is on top. Right. And if we throw the other addiction of gambling in here on top of food and alcohol, then we can see some pretty stressed hearts by the end of the game. And probably quite a few stressed wives or husbands. Yes. And probably a lot of money spent that couldn't afford to be spent. Right. So... Um, in thinking about um, alcohol consumption, particularly in um, a holiday like this semi-holiday, I hate to call it a holiday because it's certainly not official and not everyone in this room is a big football fan, but I but, am. I mean, and certainly <laughs> with with our patients, we address Super Bowl Sunday the same way we would address St. Patrick's Day or Fourth right. of July or Labor Day or Memorial Day. It's a holiday that are supposed to be for something, but they're really drinking holidays. Exactly, and this is one of the really, really big ones. When we want to know um, some warning signs of. Potentially, might you be having a drinking problem over the holiday? Some things to think about um, are the amount that you consume. And as we were coming here, we were talking about um, the difficulty sometimes in diagnosing an addiction related to alcohol for those people that are binge drinkers. Because... When they are binge drinkers and drink heavily um, on one or two days a month or drink heavily for three or four days in a row and then don't drink again for several months, some of the criteria that is used by the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that's published by the American Psychiatric Association, that criteria doesn't easily meet them because often they don't have withdrawal so they um, don't meet that criteria because in the in-between times they are not necessarily missing work or not functioning in their daily life they're not necessarily having some of the physical and medical consequences that we see and often they uh, it's just it's just harder. It's harder for them to accept that they may have trouble with alcohol, and it's harder for their family sometimes to accept this. So it's a it's a difficult thing. But one of the definitions of at risk drinking is for women to drink four or more alcoholic beverages at one time, not all at once, but at one sitting, at one event or one occasion, or for men to drink five or more alcoholic drinks in um, one drinking episode. And um, Super Bowl is probably one of those times that you <laughs> might but, be to aware. Make it, to make it a little bit more difficult, it doesn't necessarily become a binge pattern unless that's all done within two hours. Right. So if they have this stretched out over the course of uh, Super Bowl Sunday where they start drinking, 
you know, at, at 11 a.m. and getting ready for all of this, and they're drinking all day long, um, the denial system easily can put the focus on this is just what everybody does rather than actually looking at the, their own patterns. And um, one of the difficulties that goes along with this as well is not knowing what a drink is because we tend to pour heavy. Many times uh, a shot glass isn't really 1.5 ounces, which would be considered a alcoholic um, amount or a, a one drink, drink, a standard drink. Thank you. A standard drink of distilled spirits would be 1.5, and often the little shot glasses are 2.5. So they're really almost would be considered two drinks. A standard beer, now this is a 3 or 4% beer, is 12 ounces. So when you get into some of the higher octane beers or the larger beer cans or bottles, then you're moving into that's not one drink, that may be one and a half, that may be two drinks. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly wine is a big one because often the wine glasses are quite large and people will fill them to various um, levels, but we know that... At home, drinking a glass of wine is much different than drinking it at a restaurant, usually. Exactly. And, you know, when we're thinking about red wine, that's four ounces because red wine traditionally has 13% alcohol content. When we think about white wine, that's about five ounces because that's generally somewhere around 11 to 12% alcohol. So most of the drinks that are poured and consumed probably are greater than what we would consider a standard drink. So that's our first problem is really knowing how much you are drinking and over what period of time. When when I have people come in initially and I ask them how much they're drinking, and they say, well, two two drinks a night, and then I say, well, can you qualify what what two drinks is? And they say, well, it's um you know a sixteen ounce glass filled with liquor and ice and whatever. I'm like, well, that's a little more than a drink. Right. People, a lot of people don't realize that. No. And most people think that a bottle of wine is four or five glasses, but really it's closer to seven or eight glasses. Um, if, if we're using the standard measurement for the amount of wine. So, again, we have this um, problem that people really don't know what it means, and they're often way under-reporting. Well, and, and part of what we were looking at when we talked about this show is how how the advertising and how the way things are being served now is changing it. And I know just in looking at the food industry over the course of the last couple of decades, how the plates have grown and, and proportion sizes have changed. Once upon a time, a biscuit would have fit like in the palm of your hand, and now you need two hands um, <laughs> to be able <laughs> to have... And it's big as your head. <laughs> a biscuit, and a, it's got as much calories as you're supposed to have in a whole day. But our minds don't recognize that. And so much, especially with Super Bowl Sunday, where the advertisements are starting and the um, the the 
emphasis on this as a time to get together and relax and drink and have a good time with friends where things like um, having an eight ounce drink isn't even part of the, the equation it's not even something you think about and a lot of the drinks out there you think you're buying a, a single serving and if you actually look at it you're buying it says on there four servings but that's not something that somebody's gonna look at when they're in the midst of this exactly and um, and so in all fairness I think a lot of people really are not aware that they might be inching up to that risk high risk drinking because they're not seriously understanding the whole definition and concept of what is a regular drink and how many of those they're consuming and over what period of time a lot of um, the people that in most days in life don't want to get that out of control they like to be in control they want to have a real awareness of what's going on around them on days like Super Bowl Sunday are able to go past that moment where on a regular day they might start feeling tips and they might say something like, oh, I've had too much, I think I'll stop. On Super Bowl Sunday they'll just kind of sit back and and just have another. And so it's those days where even regular people will get drunk. And so the denial system is, is easy to say it's not really a problem, it's just a Super Bowl. It's just today. Well, um... I saw an article just recently where Tostitos was coming out with a bag that when you it, it measures the amount of alcohol you've had and if you've had what it presumes to be over the um, limit, a light lights up below the um, the Tostitos logo. So that you so can they're they're gonna they're gonna have it out for the Super Bowl so that people can kind of monitor whether they've um, had one too many drinks or not. And that'll mean they need to eat some more chips before they have their next drink. (laughs) Before they have their next drink. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more new inventions that might be showing up at Super Bowl parties. Please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend 
but needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today I have with me David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're talking about the upcoming Super Bowl and more specifically around alcohol as it relates to this major holiday. Now, again, it's not an official holiday, but it is the second largest consumption of food day next to Thanksgiving. (laughs) So though it is not official, and I will be the first to say I'm a big fan, but I know many people aren't, this is a big deal for a lot of people, and there is a lot of food and a lot of alcohol consumed. So right before the break, Michael, you talked about this new uh, product that's time limited by Tostitos that's in conjunction with Mothers Against Drunk Driving? Um, it's it's in conjunction with Uber and Mothers Against Drunk Driving and Frito-Lay. Um, Tostitos created a limited-time party-safe bag, one that is equipped with sensors, can detect any trace of alcohol on a person's breath, and reports if the bag detects the alcohol. A red light will flash below the Tostitos logo on the bag, and the message, Don't Drink and Drive, will appear. If the snacker is good to go, the light will flash green. Um, If the bag flashes red, it will also display a $10 Uber discount code to help get that person home, according to USA Today. Um, The bag also is fitted with a technology called near-field communications, where if you touch your cell phone to it, it will automatically call Uber. Wow. <laughs> so it's quite a bag. It's quite a bag. It's a whole new bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> that will, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing, though, certainly in terms of safety to not only say, oops, you may have a problem and here's a way to get home and here's a discount card and here's a reminder, don't drink and drive. And, and it's all using new technology. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Way to go, Frito-Lay. Cool. That is very amazing. It really is. Because you think about how many people will get themselves into such a troubled situation on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, And, 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 and like you were saying that, you know, there's some people that don't participate. But the truth is, most everyone, you don't have to be a diehard football fan or even a fan. Right. But you will end up at a Super Bowl party and you might end up drinking when you don't usually drink even Mm -hmm. so it's just one of those days where everything is a little 
different. A little different. And the um, interesting thing, I think, is, as you point out, not everybody's watching the game. Some people are watching the ads, and we're going to talk a little bit about advertisement of alcohol in just a minute. But um, it's not necessarily just a boys' night out, everybody watching a football game. It really can be... Uh, a family affair, a whole community affair, sometimes a work-related affair, and that's one of the things that we have to be careful about is the trouble that people get into, not just with heart attacks, not just with DUIs, but with inappropriate (laughs) behavior based on consumption of alcohol. Mm It does seem like like there's a swing back in our our corporate society towards more more um, work related drinking events. Um, I'm hearing of more companies that are having a, a bar in their their office and and closing at five o'clock and having drinking there at the office. Um, of of more pressure for salesmen to um, go to the clubs and to have a drink together after work. So. I think that this Fritos thing needs to be more than just a temporary solution. <laughs> we need to keep that connection going. With well, and I, I think also in this discussion, um, as Dr. Blank was saying, that the the drinking amongst women and younger women and even elderly women has changed dramatically. But also when you look at the statistics for like the NFL, um, they are courting women, you know, selling merchandise, watching games. Ladies are becoming a lot more interested in participating in watching the sport um, than they were at one time. So so it just goes hand in hand. Exactly. So another thing that may show up at a Super Bowl party is apparently another new product. (laughs) This one is not nearly as socially conscious. (laughs) Um, <laughs> because this breaks a couple of barriers. This so one just absolutely be does. This is a new product, and I'm I'm actually surprised I'm even going to mention it. It's Tipsy Scoop. So Tipsy this is scoop. designed because of the frustration that rum raisin ice cream has caused when you have rum ice cream and you don't feel anything from it because it's using rum flavoring. Tipsy Scoop is made with actual real alcohol. Um, a scoop of alcohol is equivalent to about a beer, um, so, you know, if you have one of those binge moments with a thing of ice cream, you could find yourself very, very um, intox- intoxicated as well as... <laughs> yeah, um, if you're a binge eater on like a... Binge eating and binge drinking ben, at the same time. Ben and Jerry's <laughs> pint. <laughs> I um, I actually recall a number of years ago that one of the other big name companies had a, a ice cream out and people were getting tipsy off of it. And back then, it was pulled off the market as soon as there was complaints about it. Um, but this is a shift in our, our thinking that it is now not only on the market, but it is right out there advertised. Let's get a little bit tipsy tonight with some ice cream. With some ice cream. So, but And what it really looks at is that now um, having ice cream floats, having ice cream sundaes, having milkshakes, all of these are new ways to get the drinking going, or not the drinking, get the alcohol consumption going, and I think to keep advertising it to a younger generation. Well, it's true because restaurants that you go into nowadays, um, they have adult shakes where right. there's liquor and ice cream mixed. I mean, so this makes perfect sense that somebody would do it prepackaged for you. 
And I have to think, this is just my own level of paranoia, just going to say, that this goes along with marijuana now becoming edibles. Mm-hmm. You know, now you have marijuana brownies and you have marijuana flavored soda drinks and all kinds of different edibles. This makes sense. Not that alcohol has been missing from desserts and other foods. Obviously, for many eons of time, alcohol has been added to foods for flavoring and other reasons. Um, but this is just such a blatant <laughs> in-your-face, um, we're, we're going to do this. And even the name uh, describes, much like we see with marijuana edibles, yeah. um, really indicating the level of the buzz or the high or you're going to get tipsy. So you have to be careful and you have to think about it and you you need to be cognizant of the pitfalls, the pitfalls, excuse me, including that the desserts and the foods that you may be consuming may also have alcohol in it. One of the things I have to remind patients about, and these aren't necessarily patients who have the disease of addiction, but some of my other patients just in general, is many of them are on medications now that will say on the bottle that I will remind them as they are taking it, you cannot mix this with alcohol. And I do see people, they come in, they go see the doctor at the first of the year because they've started a new insurance or whatever, and they've gotten put on some new medication that may be contraindicated for them to combine with their Super Bowl menu. So be careful because the foods and the medications that you are consuming may make you more likely to not only become intoxicated, but to actually fall into a DUI level. Mm -hmm. There are some of the antidepressants that are well known for increasing the actual blood alcohol level, where before the person could drink one drink and have a blood alcohol level below the intoxicated range, now having taken this medicine, it's now put them into the um, DUI range. So you have to be thinking about what am I eating, what other meds am I taking, and how much am I drinking in mm-hmm. terms of um, the mixtures that may be happening on that Sunday. The other part of this that this that Michael sort of started to talk about and that you would particularly think about with ice cream is that um, male and female consumption levels are beginning to equal out right forever. Um, you know the the amount of drinking men did tend to be um, higher. Higher. I, I want to say at least twofold, but I think even higher than that. Right. Of what women's drinking used to be, and and so when we were initially looking at this, I'm reading the, this as the American women are beginning to catch up with with American guys, and everybody's drinking quite a bit and having a lot of ice cream. See, that um, would be one thing if if guys were drinking less. And coming down to the level of where women were drinking, but absolutely that's not the way no, it is. No, that's not the way. And it's not the it's not an American only situation. When I went back and looked at it, I was realized I was reading worldwide. Mm-hmm. Women are catching up to men, and and that's really something considering how many cultures women are not allowed to to, to consume at all, or they're not allowed to do anything, um, you know. But but. With this scenario and with the changing in, in, in thinking, it's catching up worldwide. 
this um, this study that you're referring to is very interesting because it looked at the differences between people born in the early 1900s, 1910, um, going all the way up to the year 2000, and seeing the differences in the different groups of individuals and the risks that they have. And what we know is that for the last 15 to 25 years, we are seeing women's drinking habits almost identical um, to men's drinking habits. And that prior to that, we would find drinking problems in men 12 times more frequently than we would in women. And I've often talked about in my early training, the one of the risk factors for becoming an alcoholic was listed as being a man. <laughs> uh, we now know that the times they are changing, and um, and this is of great concern and something for us to pay attention to. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about why this might be happening. Please stay tuned. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. I have with me today David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're talking about a new look at alcohol. We haven't chatted about alcohol specific for a while, and I think given this upcoming semi-holiday, um, it's an important topic. 
right before the break, we were um, discussing this study that was looking at individuals born in uh, the 100 years between 1900 and 2000 and looking at the differences in the age groups of these individuals and their likelihood to be drinking, to be drinking dangerously, and to be meeting criteria for addiction. So if you were born between... 1990 and two, 1991 and 2000, men and women are mo- almost exactly equal in their consumption of alcohol. And this is really for the first time that we're, we're seeing this kind of information coming out and we're seeing this level, and I think to the point that you both made a moment ago, which was the fact that it isn't because men are drinking less. Right. Well, and I think it's also that that advertisers have learned and have started directly advertising to women. So a lot of times the alcohol, that the advertisements you used to see would be directed towards men because it would just be like this objectification of drink this and you'll meet this hot lady. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have this amazing job. You'll be a stud and a hero. And then the alcohol shots were all geared towards some sort of objectification that men would go towards but with the wine and with the with the women's advertising it's much more of these social events that you'll be you'll be the the best hostess of this party if you have this particular brand and 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 so they're bringing that whole social aspect of speaking to the women's brain and bringing the levels right up their their drinking events might be a little bit different except at super bowl because everybody's at super bowl everybody's at super bowl but the the you know the tupperware parties of the old days have drastically changed now to include um wine parties (laughs) And the idea that uh, many of the mommy get-togethers mm-hmm. now include alcohol, mm-hmm. that that has become like a real the ch- common... the play dates. The play dates. Where the kids and the mothers all meet, and the moms have a little vino, and the kids play outside. And this is just a, a, a very common occurrence right. that often children's birthday parties that often other activities that before would not be considered um, you know it wouldn't be an expectation that people would have that there would be alcohol at these events and yet now more and more we see that's very much acceptable and that at women's get-togethers women's you know playing cards or or having the uh, the Tupperware party or whatever it is, that alcohol is a big part of it. And one of the things um, to think about in terms of our list of red flags about may I have a problem with drinking is the thought that you can't imagine going to a social event or enjoying a social event if alcohol isn't part of it. Right. When people begin to have that expectation and really... Uh, and shying away from those mm-hmm. activities that it's not okay or it's not probably going to happen. And so to think now that alcohol is coming to events that not even 10 years ago you would not have thought of, 15 years ago you would not right. have thought of alcohol going like to baby showers and to um, um, Bible studies. 
that you would never have thought that a Bible study would be a drinking occasion, but you hear about that now. And, and you know, just because drinking patterns are changing doesn't mean that a woman's ability to handle alcohol has changed. And and we are still seeing, I mean, we're seeing women coming in and they're having all of the classics of a long-term alcoholic and looking 10, 15 year old, years older than they should um, because of of the changing patterns. And because truly women can't handle alcohol in the same way that men can. We're missing an enzyme in our stomach and therefore alcohol doesn't begin to be broken down in our stomach. So it gets absorbed into the bloodstream at a higher level than the same amount of alcohol consumed by a man. So women do get intoxicated more quickly. They have more difficulty clearing it through their liver because um, they have generally more fat, and that's not to be ugly. That's just to say the (laughs) truth. (laughs) Um, a, A higher fat content in our bodies naturally than do men. We're going to hang on to the alcohol, and we know that this telescoping effect that we see in women where they are much more affected by the disease of addiction, as you said, David, in a shorter period of time Mm -hmm. with smaller amounts of alcohol than the same equivalent for a man. The, um, The problem is it's much harder on women's livers and it's much more toxic to their brain. They're much more likely to have cognitive impairment sooner than would a man. And this is a real big problem, especially when we're seeing that these young women who are born in 1991 to 2000, also common in this age group is now their childbearing years. Mm -hmm. And now there are certainly circumstances that we see that a woman has been drinking heavily, doesn't know she's pregnant, and may pass on some consequences of her drinking to her child or her drinking and smoking or using other substances well before she even is aware of the fact. So it creates this multi-generational exposure and, and often inadvertently. And back to what you were saying earlier, Michael, about the merchandising, trying to get women more involved in football, basketball, soccer, whatever, we're seeing that the marketing of alcohol has moved out of a lot of the more common ways we used to see it and is much more targeted towards sporting events, sponsoring car races and football games and um, these other events that, again, they're marketing to children Mm -hmm. and they're marketing to women, and we're seeing the effect of that in this increased consumption of alcohol by young women. Right. And, you know, this, this, uh, not to get off topic, but um, you do that lecture about how men, when they see things, events um, that, that trigger... And, and they, and by trigger, I mean that they begin to have cravings or, or wanting for that substance. And women, it's about situations, emotional, more emotional. And it's really interesting when you watch the way, um, they're advertising and, and the, the gist of the advertisement fits exactly with mm-hmm. those studies that you were talking about. 
Right. So men are much more triggered by people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. Women are much more triggered by emotional reactions, um, relationship problems. Stress is a big problem for everybody, but it's certainly a big problem for women in terms of triggering them for cravings and and sometimes increased use of alcohol. Part of what's also been interesting is that with this with the trend of delaying the childbirth years and putting more focuses on careers and focus on enjoying the their their twenties mm-hmm. um, that that many women are are having quite a few issues in their thirties and forties when they are decided okay I want to stop and have a family where the impact of alcohol has has made that um, a, a bigger problem if possible at all. Um, and for the ones that did start their family, they're they're having these problems hit with alcoholism at the same time as their adolescent kids are having their problems hit with marijuana. And you're having this issue of a family dealing with two addictions mm-hmm. at the same time, and not the mom dad, but the multi generational multi generational. And it's um, it's a real thing, and we do certainly see that. And I have to think that the marketing is very directly related to the setup for this kind of problem and the perception by young people that alcohol is not a problem, marijuana is not a problem, prescription drugs are safe because they're prescriptions, because the doctor wrote them for grandma. The only thing we're seeing a change in is the perception of nicotine, and we're seeing more and more young people perceiving nicotine and tobacco products as being dangerous, and that's the only thing we're really seeing decline. I say that with a caveat because it's not really declining in the younger kids. They're still starting and using tobacco products early. And then watching the advertisement, advertising agencies respond to that with with the vaping and making the vaping systems easy, less complicated. Even a child could handle it, I think they actually say. Mm -hmm. And bubblegum flavoring and milkshake and candy corn flavored vaping liquids I think certainly are not necessarily appealing to most adults although you know we do like a little sweets here and there but the names the flavors and again since many of these products are not regulated at all for any age um, the direct marketing and the enticement for kids is just blatant. Yep. Don't know too many adults looking for bubblegum flavored vaping. Vaping. <laughs> so um, the marketing, I think, has has been a real big effect. We're seeing a lot more products placed in movies and television. I I always just find it really interesting to see the alcohol that's referred to in a movie or a TV show, the placement of the product um, visually, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cereal box here and um, the, the brand of soda over there. So it, this is very intentional, mm-hmm. and it is certainly, as we're seeing, creating 
a lot of the difficulties that we're seeing in enticing young people, particularly young women, to get involved with alcohol at an early age. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll look a little more at alcohol. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and with me today are David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. We've been taking a new look at alcohol in light of the upcoming holiday and wanted to continue our discussion about the effects of alcohol, particularly on young women and particularly on adolescents in um, in very specifically. There was an interesting study that was um, done in Finland that was just released last week that was looking at the effects of chronic heavy alcohol use on an adolescent brain and the changes that are seen even years later. This study Um, looked at kids that were drinking heavily between the ages of 13 and 18, and they were doing brain scans using EEGs, much like we use at the Atlanta Healing Center, and also um, transcranial magnetic stimulation. They were looking at how the effects of the stimulation worked on on these kids and the changes that they were seeing not only in the size and shape of the brain but also in the neurotransmitters and the different 
um, electrical outputs that the brain um, had. So there is a specific neurotransmitter that we know in our brain that's really important. It's called GABA, G-A-B-A. And this neurotransmitter or chemical messenger in the brain is important for calming things down. It's really important for relaxing you, for helping you calm down, and for helping you get ready to sleep. It also inhibits the brain from being impulsive, from making quick judgments and quick reactions to situations. It, it adds a little bit of a, a break, a cushion, a, a, a stop, uh, if you will, so that we don't do things without thinking them through a little bit, without consideration. So interestingly, alcohol is one of those drugs that releases GABA in the brain. That's part of the calm you down, help you relax, help you feel better um, effect of GABA in the brain. So you drink alcohol, you eat chocolate, you smoke pot, you eat or take LSD, all of these particular substances release GABA. Now that's fine. That does have its effect. And this is whether you have addiction or not. Everybody will have these kinds of effects generally from using these substances. But over time, our brain wants to be in balance. There's an alternative kind of the opposite neurotransmitter called glutamate. And this particular neurotransmitter is the get you up, get you going neurotransmitter. Our brain wants these two neurotransmitters to be in absolute good balance. So we get up, get going, are motivated in the morning. At the end of the day, we calm down, we relax, and we go to sleep. If I use more alcohol, my brain is going to produce more GABA. And in order for those two to be in balance, my brain is going to produce more glutamate to balance out that GABA. So now I've got higher levels of both GABA and glutamate. If I continue to drink more, I'm going to get more GABA. So my brain's going to make more glutamate. And then we get to this place where if I stop using alcohol and I'm not stimulating that release of GABA. I've got all this extra glutamate that is actually at that point neurotoxic. That's going to increase my heart rate, my blood pressure, my body temperature. That's going to give me a lot of the symptoms of withdrawal. That's going to make me very anxious, have trouble sleeping. People who chronically have used alcohol over a period of time, their brain without alcohol becomes deficit of GABA. And even though they might not be having acute symptoms of withdrawal, they're going to have this irritability. They're going to have an impulsivity because the brakes are taken off the off the brain. There isn't, the reserves of GABA are not there anymore. We're going to see this change actually in the brainwave patterns of our patients. And when we look at the brainwave activity of our alcoholics who have stopped drinking, what we see is very low energy is what we talk about. That their brain is just not functioning at the previous levels. And not only are they more susceptible to anxiety and irritability and insomnia, 
cognitively they're going to have continued trouble. And this um, study that was done in Finland looked at this effect long term on these uh, adolescents that started drinking 13 to 18 years of age. We know that's not an unusual time, unfortunately, for um, adolescents to be um, experimenting with alcohol, yet we can see for some of them that drink heavily, the long-term effects can be quite damaging to their cognitive functioning and their brain, actually. Um, The um, outer surface of our brain, uh, called the cortex, is actually thinner. It's smaller in these kids. What I thought was so interesting about this study was that it was looking at kids who were heavy users, right? but not yet meeting the criteria for dependency. And so part of the, the study was saying that we really need to look at what our criteria for dependency is for adolescent usage, um, because it is hard to meet that criteria um, with the expectations that an adolescent has. But the other part is looking at what we've always talked about, that the earlier the brain is exposed to these substances, the greater the impact. And that they were their control group was was same age um, young adults who at their and their adolescents supported little to no use of of alcohol. So this is people that I would imagine were like weekend binge drinking kids, like at a football game or something, that where they really drink a, a bunch, versus the other kids who were who were not drinking or or studying. Um, and and what we are seeing is a real lasting impact in the in the neurotransmitters neurotransmitters that they need to be able to um, self soothe to calm themselves and so they're already set up to be seeking um, medications for anxiety issues and to seek things that are going to boost GABA things to help them with their sleep problems with um, impulse control. They're going to have a lot of difficulties. And again, these are not people that were in an addiction treatment center. These are not even necessarily people that have addiction, although we're seeing them at one point in time. And alcohol usually has a longer trajectory than do other drugs in terms of when it brings you in for treatment. But I do have to say that more and more we are seeing younger and younger people coming in needing actual detox from alcohol and and truly do meet the criteria. But in this study, it was not those people. This was people that had just drank heavily at times during their adolescence, and they were seeing long-term problems in their brain function and in the actual size of their brain related to this exposure. And we don't think about those kinds of things, unfortunately, when we're 13. And often this is done outside the knowledge of parents and other adults. So it speaks very highly to the the need for these discussions to be had with kids before they're 13, before they're 12. Well, and <clears throat> one of the problems is that in, in our society right now, there's there's this normalization going on of, you know, the possibility of smoking pot is not that big of a deal or the possibility of drinking. You know, younger people, younger women are drinking more. Everybody's drinking more. And so a parent can kind of look at something and just say, well, you know, this is something that just happens. Right. 
you know, this is something that's going to happen. And they're not wanting to really look at it and say, no, this is how it starts. Well, in particular with Super Bowl, that that is a day that many kids will have their very first drink. Right. They will bring Dad a beer or Dad will call them over and say, come here, Slugger, and, and they will introduce this pattern. How many times have we heard the family say we would rather have the kids drink at home? One of the bottles of wine that I saw actually said the family that drinks together. (laughs) 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 Going for it all. And while I think the parents have some good intentions with these kinds of ideas, the difficulty is that Regardless of whether that young person grows up to have trouble with drugs or alcohol, it's this early exposure to the brain that creates for that person a potential lifelong cognitive problem. Mm -hmm. So these growing years are really important that we protect our kids and we protect their brains. We hope that you all have a safe and happy semi-holiday this weekend. Go Falcons. And we will see you all next week on Detailing Addiction. Go Falcons. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.